13. The Jedi pilots rounded the brightly striped mass of the gas giant Koribu and found themselves staring into the turquoise brilliance of the planet's huge star, Gaiul. Jaina blinked instinctively, and by the time her eyes opened again, her astromech droid had darkened the Stealth X's canopy tinting. She saw the hawk-wing silhouette of four inbound defoliators sweeping in just meters above Koribu's dazzling ring system, racing for the gap between the moons Ru and Zebo on initial approach for dispersal run. With a four-squadron escort of clawcraft, the Chiss were clearly determined to reach their targets this time. Rather than break calm silence, Jaina opened herself to the battle meld and immediately knew her wingmates had done the same. Sometimes they could hear one another's thoughts through the meld, but more often they simply knew what their fellows were thinking, what they were doing, and the connection had only grown stronger since coming to Koribu. During battles, they sometimes came perilously close to sharing minds. Jaina focused her thoughts on the impending crash. The Chiss were coming hard this time. The Jedi had to disable those defoliators quickly and withdraw before the fight turned bloody. Jaina sensed disapproval and knew that Alima favored a more forceful approach, one that would leave the Chiss with no illusions about the consequences of attacking the colony's food supply. And she was not alone. Others were outraged as well. Instead of attacking outright, a violation of the Ascendancy Honor Code, which prohibited an unprovoked first strike, the Chiss were trying to starve the Koribu nest into retreat. Tizar, Tahiri, even Jason believed that the Chiss were engaged in a campaign of species cleansing and deserved to get their noses bloodied. Only Zek did not agree. Jedi saw similar cruelties everywhere they were in the galaxy. But it was their responsibility to remain dispassionate, to cut through the veil of obscuring emotion and find the core of the problem. If they allowed themselves to seek retribution rather than peace, how could they bring a lasting solution to any conflict? As much as Jaina wanted to make the Chiss pay for the lives they were taking, she had to agree with Zek. So far, this had remained a low-intensity conflict, but if the Jedi turned it into a killing fight, that would end. A simple border clash would erupt into all-out war, and the carnage would be staggering. The Chiss task force entered the gap between Rue and Zebo. Two of the four defoliators left the main formation with their clawcraft escorts and turned toward the moons. They were met by clouds of defenders from the Sarah's Nest on Rue and the Alala on Zebo. Too small to be visible at even this relatively short distance, the dart ships were nevertheless numerous enough to spread hazy stains of gray across Guile's blue face. Jaina had barely formulated a plan to meet them before Tahiri shot ahead in the sleek little skiff that Zonama Seacoat had grown for her. A living ship, its three-lobed hull glowed a deep sea green against the star. Jason followed a moment later in his Chase X, which, like Tahiri's living ship, could not be concealed from the Chiss sensors. The Jedi all understood what Jaina intended. Tahiri, 
who was not subject to Stealth X comm restrictions, opened a channel to the TAT dart ships still swarming around Jaina and the other Stealth Xs. Rhea TAT, bring the dart ships and follow us. We need to make this look real. We need to create a diversion? A Chiss joiner who insisted on being called by both the nest name and her own, Rhea Tat freely admitted that she had been sent by Chiss Intelligence to spy on the Koribu nests. Her allegiance had changed, she claimed, when the Tat discovered her hiding in near starvation and started to bring her food. The stealth fighters will divide and strike the defoliators by surprise? Something like that, though all of the Karibu nests seemed to have complete faith in Rhea, the Jedi were less trusting, and Tahiri was not about to reveal their plan. When neither the dart ships nor Rhea's little scout craft started after her, Jason added, You need to come now. You're drawing attention to the stealth exes. Tat is not happy with this plan, Rhea said. The Chiss have changed tactics, and the Nest worries they are trying to lure the Jedi into a trap. Jaina's suspicions about Rhea began to deepen, and Tahiri asked, The Nest worry, or you do? We speak for the Nest in this, Rhea said, and we know the Chiss. You are the Chiss. Tahiri's skiff slowed, and she added, Maybe you're less worried about the Jedi than about your old friends. We are Tat, Rhea insisted, but we were Chiss once, and we understand how dangerous it is to underestimate them. The Sarah's dart ships met the first defoliator and swallowed it in a cloud of gray, whirling slivers. The defoliator continued toward Rue's amber disk, engulfed in a halo of silver sparkles as the insect pilots hurled their tiny fighters against its shields. The force grew heavy with anguish and admiration for their sacrifice, and Jaina was surprised to feel her own throat closing with emotion. Usually she felt nothing when she entered battle, not fear or excitement or dread. Usually she was too focused on the fighting to experience any emotions at all. The Chiss Clawcraft circled back and began to make runs along the length of the defoliator's hull driving the Sarah's dart ships off and giving the larger vessel time to refresh its shields. The stealth X's had to make their move now, or they would never reach the defoliators in time. Jaina pushed her throttles forward and broke for the amber moon, Rue. Tizar, the second best pilot on the team, started for Zebo, while Zek, Alima, and Lobaka all began in a high-arcing maneuver that would drop them down on the last two defoliators. Rayatat, the Jedi are starting their run. Jason's voice was sharp, and we're not going to be much of a diversion alone. There was a moment of silence, then a vague tide of alarm rose in the force. Slow down, Rhea calmed. The dart ships can't catch you. Jaina checked her tactical display and found a blue cloud of tat dart ships sweeping up from the bottom of the display, following Rhea's little scout lancet after Tahiri. At the top of the screen, both chistifoliators were fully engulfed in swarms of Sarah's and Alala, with the curved horizons of Rue and Zebo hanging high in the corners. 
The main body of the Chiss task force remained in the center of the display, the clawcraft escorts hanging back just far enough to make the last two defoliators an inviting target. What were they up to? Jaina's astromech changed scale, and suddenly her tactical display was a mass of friendly blips. The Sarah's dart ships, whirling around the defoliator she had targeted, the friendly blips were winking out by the dozens. Jaina checked her estimated time to attack. Five seconds. But she sensed that Tizar needed seven. She armed two proton torpedoes, then added a sweeping curve to her approach and came in behind the battle. Outside her cockpit, space was a tightly wound ball of orange rocket trails swirling around the blue glow of the defoliator's big ion drives. A pair of dart ships blossomed in scarlet as they exploded against the shields of an oncoming clawcraft, but a third collided with its wing. The clawcraft pilot lost control and went corkscrewing into Rue's thin atmosphere. Assuming he survived the crash, Jaina knew, he would be taken into the Sarah's nest and treated as a welcome guest. Unless they were clearly being attacked, none of the Karibu nest seemed to have any real concept of enemy. Jaina tried to pick a route through the mad tangle of dart ships, but it was like trying to avoid drops in a rainstorm. Two seconds from her launching point, a Sarah's bounced off her shields, and her canopy went black to prevent her from being blinded by the white flash of an exploding rocket. By the time the tinting paled an instant later, three Chiss Clawcraft were coming at Jaina head-on, pouring a steady torrent of cannon bolts in her general direction. She did a half-roll slip, taking two hits on her forward shield as she passed through the third fighter's stream of fire, then loosed her first torpedo. Nothing if not well-trained, the Chiss adjusted their aim instantly, targeting the weapon's origination point. Jaina's forward shields flared into a white wavering wall of heat, and shrieking overload alarms filled the cockpit. She released the second torpedo and jinked hard to port. More Chiss brought their craft to bear, barely grazing her with a blue inferno that was nevertheless enough to bring her shields down with a final warning screech. The air grew acrid with the smell of fused circuits, and warning messages that Jaina could not read through the smoke began to scroll down her status display. Just keep masking the systems up, Sneaky, Jaina ordered her droid, taking the Stealth X through an unpredictable coil of reversing rolls. If those guys get a sensor read on us, we'll really be in trouble. The droid replied with a cynical whistle. Jaina continued to maneuver until a second later, the torrent of cannon fire ceased for an instant, and she knew the Chiss had been momentarily blinded by her passing torpedoes. She pushed the stick up and to the left, circling out of the dart ship tangle as quickly as she could, and climbing for the stars, where her dark craft would not be silhouetted against Koribu's scintillating rings. A pair of bright dots flared through the smoke in Jaina's cockpit, and she leaned closer to her tactical display. Two shrinking circles of light indicated that her proton torpedoes had detonated where she intended, just behind the defoliator's thrust nozzles. The big ship was already beginning to swing off course, rising into a tight banking turn that would carry it into Karibu's gravity well 
If the crew did not regain control soon, Jaina allowed herself a moment of self-congratulation, just so her wingmates would know she had completed her assignment. Then the Sarah's swarm began to drift back toward Rue, leaving the crippled defoliator to recover control and flee. Even now, after two months of living and fighting with the tat, Jaina was awed by the insect's complete lack of spite. Once a threat had been turned away, they never attempted to cause it more harm. Jaina's admiration was mirrored in the Force by that of the other Jedi, and her thoughts turned to the other three defoliators. Give me an overall sit rep, Sneaky, and clean this smoke out of the cockpit. Jaina finally realized that she was reflexively using the Force to keep from coughing. I can barely see my display. A valve hissed open and cleared the air. Then Jaina was hit by a wave of shock so sudden and powerful, it reminded her of the time her X-Wing had been blown from under her at Karlarba. She automatically began a system sweep, but she knew before her gaze reached the life support readout that the alarm had come to her through the meld from the three Jedi she had sent to stop the middle two defoliators. The tactical display showed the other three defoliators also drifting dead in space. But a new vessel had appeared on the far side of the battle, well positioned to prevent the Tat and the Jedi from returning to their home nest. It was simultaneously bleeding clawcraft into space and sweeping the area with tractor beams, gathering up dart ships like flitnats in a net. Victory class Star Destroyer. Jaina turned toward the battle zone and poured on velocity. Where did it come from? Sneaky let out a defensive tweet, then replayed a high-speed version of the last 10 seconds of tactical record. The vessel had simply appeared a few moments ago, after the Jedi had disabled the defoliators. Jaina grew instantly cold and emotionless inside. Cloaked. She wasted no time asking herself why she had failed to anticipate the attack. Capable enemies always surprised you, but her thoughts did leap to the implications. Had the Star Destroyer been an escort, it would have revealed itself as soon as the nest moved against the defoliators. Instead, it waited until the Jedi launched their proton torpedoes, betraying both their presence and their general location. It had come for them using their own subterfuge against them. It had been one of Jag Fell's favorite tactics when they had flown together against the Yuzhan Vong. Jaina reached out toward the Star Destroyer, searching for his familiar presence, but could not find him among all the beings on the vessel, at least not in the middle of the battle. A burst of dismay swept through the Force, then a soft growl inside Jaina's head. Lobaka was caught in one of the tractor beams, she wondered how bad, then had a brief vision in which dart ships were flying past in a black, swirling wall, and the cockpit was filled with the screaming whine of overleaded fusel thrust engines. Jaina felt Tizar reaching out to Lovaka, urging him to hold on until he and Jaina could get there. They might be able to shut down the tractor beam if they could destroy its generators. But none of the Jedi knew what the tractor beam generators on a Chiss Star Destroyer looked like, or where to find them. Lobaka thought they were being foolish, that they would only get themselves captured by trying something so risky. The best way to help him was to avoid falling into the Chiss trap themselves. 
A swell of anger rose in the force. Jaina was still too far from the battle to see anything more than a hazy cloud of dart ships silhouetted against Karibu's gleaming rings. But the tactical display showed more than a dozen claw craft swarming Jason and Tahiri, methodically herding them toward the Star Destroyer's tractor beams. Supported by a throng of tat, they were fighting back valiantly, opening one hole after the other in the enemy formation. The Chiss always managed to cut them off and drive them back toward the sweeping tractor beams. Then, a clawcraft designator vanished. Another turned yellow and spiraled through the ring system and out of the system. Jaina felt Alima and Zek urging Tahiri and Jason to accelerate through the gap. Two of three clawcraft moving to cut them off also lost control and fell out of the battle. Then Tahiri and Jason were free, pulling away from their pursuers and weaving a crooked path among the few enemy fighters still in a position to attack. Tahiri's gratitude flooded the force, but quickly changed to astonishment when a clawcraft behind her exploded in a flash of static. A second one vanished an instant later, and a third turned yellow on Jaina's display and broke into two parts. Tahiri's shock was overpowered by Alima's glee, then almost instantly by Zek's righteous fury. This is wrong, Zek raged. He was furious with Alima. She was killing for revenge. But Alima did not think so. She felt she was only killing to teach them a lesson, to make them understand there were consequences. Jaina added anger to Zex. Alima had violated the unspoken rules of the conflict. She had killed without purpose. When the Chiss reviewed their battle vids, they would feel bound to retaliate in kind. Alima didn't care, and Tat seemed to agree. The hundreds of dart ships not yet swept up in the tractor beams began to coalesce in tightly knit balls moving with eerie precision into the path of oncoming clawcraft. Chiss fighters began to explode as they were crashing into asteroids. The conflict was turning into an all-out battle. Sensing Jaina's alarm, Tahiri opened a comm channel. Rayatat, call off the dart ships. Our last attacks were mistakes. They did not feel like mistakes, Raya countered. They felt good. This battle is getting out of hand, Tahiri responded, echoing Jaina's feelings. Rhea was Chiss. She knows what will happen if you continue. Rhea fell silent, but the dart ships continued to attack. Jaina found her frustration with Alima growing. The Twi'lek was a fine pilot, but she was too wild, too quick to surrender to the peril of hatred that had been accreting inside her since the death of her sister, Numa. Now, Alima's anger would spread across the Gaiul system like a Nova Blast. When the Tat continued to attack, Jason said, Rhea Tat, the Chiss will return with bigger ships. They'll attack the nest directly and the Tat will be destroyed. All the Karibo nests will be destroyed. What difference does it make? Our nests are already dying. Rhea's voice grew icy. But Lobaka must not be captured. The Force resonated with agreement. None of the Jedi wanted to see their friend captured, but Lobaka was calling the shots. He was the one in trouble. Lobaka can take care of himself, Tahiri said. 
and if he is captured, what the Tat are doing will only hurt him. Lobaka won't be captured, Rhea said. The colony does not wish it. The Tat continued to place themselves in front of their enemies, but instead of pursuing Tahiri and Jason all the more ferociously, the Clawcraft peeled away, giving them a clear route to freedom. Jaina exhaled in relief. At least Jag, or whoever was commanding this task force, still had the sense to back off before the conflict escalated. Then, a new tractor beam shot out from the Star Destroyer, capturing Tahiri, Jason, and, judging by their surprise and anger, Alima and Zek. Jaina cursed at the same time she heard Tizar's irate hiss in her ears. It was not easy to lock on a wildly dodging spacecraft visually, but if a beam crew knew the comm frequency being used by the target, they could follow the carrier wave straight to their victim. And while Rhea had not initiated the contact with Tahiri, she had kept the young Jedi talking until the clawcraft dispersed. Jaina was close enough to the battle now that she could see the laser cannons flashing inside the whirling clouds of dart ships. Four waving fingers of darkness marked the areas where the tractor beams were sweeping the tat out of space, slowly pulling them toward the Star Destroyer. The vessel itself resembled a gray version of the Empire's old Victory-class Star Destroyers, save that it was a little sleeker, longer, and narrower, with a conical hull that gave it a menacing, needle-like appearance. It was impossible to tell where the bridge was located. It was not in the Chiss nature to reveal such a crucial detail just for the looking, but a dome-shaped bulge amidships probably housed the cloaking equipment that had masked the vessel's approach. Jaina dropped the nose of her stealth X and started a fast approach toward the bow of the Star Destroyer, then felt Tizar's excitement starting to mount as he initiated his own run. An image of his view of the ship appeared in the back of her mind. He seemed to be approaching from the opposite end, more or less head-on toward Jaina. They would have to be careful to avoid collision. Sneaky, give me a 10-mag view of the area around the root of the nearest tractor beam, Jaina ordered. Risky or not, she could not let the Chiss reel in four Jedi. Over the comm, Rhea said, We'll have you free in a minute, friends. Not criffing likely, Jaina thought. Half of the Tat were already being sucked toward the Star Destroyer's capture bays, and the rest were too busy hurling themselves in front of Clawcraft to disable any tractor beams. Help is coming! Rhea's voice was reassuring. The Muium are almost there! The timely assurance raised the hair on the back of Jaina's neck. Recalling Tat's uncanny ability to sense what foods she and the other Jedi were longing for, she began to wonder what else Rhea could sense. Tizar began to think Rhea was a better spy than they had thought. Projecting his thoughts openly into the battle meld, he wondered if he should eliminate her. Jaina had the mental image of Tizar selecting Rhea's lancet as a primary target, but realized instantly that the Barabel was only trying to test whether Rhea knew what was happening in the battle meld. He was passing over the stern of the Star Destroyer, and could not have targeted her if he wished. When Rhea did not fall for the ploy, 
Jaina checked her tactical display and found a blue storm of Muium dart ships cascading down from the direction of Eel and Julio, just as promised. Sneaky, do an EM sweep of the hull, Jaina ordered. She still did not see how the arrival of the fresh swarm was going to save Lobaka and the others. We might get lucky and locate an energy output that will tell us where those generators are. Sneaky whistled an acknowledgement. Then the image on her display switched to a rectangular portal set into a field of gray durasteel. The tractor beam itself was invisible, save for a few distortion ripples that suggested it was a very powerful beam indeed, one designed to drag in unwilling ships. As Jaina had feared, the portal was protected by a grid of blue energy, a repulsor screen designed to prevent someone from disabling the beam by dropping a piece of ordnance onto it. The Chiss were far too good to overlook something that obvious. Go to five mag, Jaina ordered. The beam portal grew small in her display, and the white cave of a capture bay appeared beneath it. Jaina could see a pair of weapons turrets flanking a transparasteel viewing panel set high in the innermost wall but no hint of the tractor beam generator. Sneaky piped a warning, and Jaina looked up to see the Star Destroyer stretched out before her like the long gray plane of an empty speeder lot. The beam cannons, big and small, remained silent in their sunken firing pits, a sure sign that the gunners still had not detected the approaching stealth X's. Anything on the EM sweep, Sneaky? Jaina asked. The droid tooted a negative, and Jaina sensed that the same was true for Tezar. It was beginning to look like they would have to do this the hard way. The Jedi would have to eject and destroy their ships. Tahiri did not want to leave her living ship. It was a gift from Zonama Seacoat, and it was a friend. But her only other choice was to let herself be captured, and Jaina forbade that. She would go Eevee with Jason and everyone else. Ten seconds. Lobaka did not have ten seconds. Five if he was lucky. Three then. Give us eight, Rhea pleaded, no doubt now about whether she could read their emotions in the Force. The Muium are almost here. Sure, enough time for your friends to capture Lobaka's stealth X, Jaina thought. Two seconds. Tizar urged Jaina to wait. The Muium were attacking. Jaina glanced at her display and saw a single, tightly-packed arrow of Muium designators driving through a screen of Chiss Clawcraft like a blaster bolt through a tunic. The Star Destroyer opened up with all-bearing batteries, hitting the mass with a devastating fusillade that would have torn a minor moon in half. The Muium did not even slow down. Long furrows of dart ships vanished into fiery nothingness and the swarm simply flowed into the open spaces, shrinking a little, but continuing toward the Star Destroyer amidships. No, Rhea, Jaina ordered. Stop them! Lobaka went EV, and Jaina lost all hope of bringing the conflict back under control. The Muium took another volley of laser cannons and continued on as before coalescing into a single black harpoon aimed at the heart of the Chiss Star Destroyer. Lobaka's Stealth X detonated in the mouth of the capture bay, taking with it 50 square meters of deck, 
and several dozen dart ships, but doing nothing whatsoever to interrupt the tractor beam, Jaina rolled away from the Star Destroyer and started firing, trying to force as many clawcraft as possible away from Tahiri and the other captured Jedi. Tizar dropped in behind Jaina, firing to kill as a string of brave chess pilots jumped on her tail. Finally, the Muium reached the Star Destroyer. On her tactical display, Jaina glimpsed the lead dart ships crashing into the vessel's particle shields, vaporizing themselves in an ever-broadening circle of light and fire. She thought for one moment that the suicide attack would come to no more than that, that the entire Muium swarm would simply smash itself against the powerful Chiss shields. Then the shields crackled, flashed, and fell. The Muium assault smashed into the hull in a conflagration of rocket fuel and fire and burned through within seconds. Bodies and equipment began to tumble from the breached hull, but the swarm continued to pour through, streaming through the inner hull and spreading along the corridors to all the hidden corners of the vessel. Within moments, long tongues of flame began to lick out of the gun turrets, and towers of white fire started to shoot from the discharge vents. A wave of explosions shook the Star Destroyer, and the hull began to come apart. Jaina was shaken by an all-too-familiar wave of anguish and fear. Then a rip seemed to open in the force as the huge vessel began to disintegrate from the inside. The tractor beams sputtered into nothingness, and a sense of relief permeated the force as Tahiri and Alima and Zek finally regained control of their craft. A Chiss fighter appeared in front of Jaina, coming at her head-on and pouring angry streams of blaster bolts more or less in her direction. Jaina returned fire automatically, but she did not notice how her hand was shaking until after the clawcraft exploded. Jaina reached out for Lobaka and felt him drifting away, frightened and awed and lonely. We'll find you, she promised, but he would have to stay open to the meld. He would have to help them find him. She'll be doing well, Lobaka thought, just to save herself.